I think the struggle of every man is inner identity in that realm of sonship. Family Man Show with Todd Wilson. This is the show where we remind dads of what's most important. I'm your host, Scott Moore. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Todd, how's it going? Scott, I don't know if people ever, we should like do a compilation uh, or compilation, whatever you want to say, (laughs) which brings me to a point in just a second. Um, Of all the ways you say, hey, Todd, how's it going? Because sometimes you kind of were in a pattern of like, hey, Todd, how's it going? Now you're kind of like, hey, Todd, how's it going? You know, it's just like. I love your imitations of me. (laughs) It's like, you know, they used to have the mood ring. Now is the mood introduction. Yes. (laughs) How's he doing today? (laughs) Yep. By how you ask me. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's just like, hey, Todd. (laughs) Exactly. How's it going? So maybe we should go back and like do a compilation of all this. Which brings me to a good point, Scott. Scott, if you were going to spell the word favorite, how would you spell that? Well, I spell everything perfectly, so I know how to I am spell a terrible it. speller, so no, there's no judging here. F-A-V-O-R-I-T-E. Exactly. That's how I would spell it. But I was just reading this, uh, uh, like an article on Ahsoka, uh, which is a Star <laughs> yes. Wars person. And it says... Uh, it's wonderful to see her continue to resonate with viewers. Um, she has become a fan favorite with people, but they spelled it F A V O U R I T E. Oh, that was some crazy git. I mean, Brit. Is that it? Yeah. That's the British way of spelling it. I think, I feel like they should have to tell us right off the bat (laughs) what, what nationality they are. Yes. Does that seem racist? (laughs) Because it just feels like I want to know. And I do. Sometimes I check plugged in uh, on. It's no longer plugged in online when I do for a movie review. And, you know, if they are at the end, I get to. And I'm like, oh, that's a woman who did that. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Well, that's wrong. But it, it is it is acceptable and allowable to be racist against a country that formerly ruled you. But you threw off the shackles of tyranny. So. Oh, that is totally true. <laughs> but, you know, but the that sexist is a, part that is a good point. <laughs> That's why a lot of people don't like America, who are Americans. We never rule Because anybody. the shackles of, we only give them $20 minimum wage. Oh, they don't like us because we threw off their shackles of tyranny? Yeah, well. No, I'm just saying people. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, getting but too I deep. get we it. So get, I, I, but what you're saying is I can... I can slam Europeans. Yeah, just, just I, the British. Or the just the British. Yes. Yeah, because they they ruled us. We can know, make fun of the this. French because we saved their bacon in World War II. And, of course, that was kind of payback for them helping us out against the British. But we can still make fun of them because, you know, they just rolled over and played dead. For- Here's the thing. <laughs> I just am against anyone who would spell favorite that way. I hear you, man. Okay. Um, well, we're going to have a special guest here, and uh, we haven't picked them up on our end, but we're going to. 
Um, so why don't we do that right now? Hey, I forgot to ask, has anybody had a baby yet? No, we haven't. So uh, that's good and bad news. Good news that Catherine hasn't had her baby because she's still about two, maybe three weeks out from her due date. Um, so she just had an appointment yesterday. She does not have preeclampsia. I'm not really sure what that is. Her blood pressure is still high, um, but they're, they're thinking they're going to wait if checking again on Friday. Um, but she's in a safer zone now, even though she was okay then. Uh, but McKenna, who was due, I think, a couple of days ago, she has started that long green mile, mm. <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh. Now, McKenna has such a great attitude. She came like two weeks late last last baby. And, you know, it was her body was tired by yeah. the time and they had to take it through C-section. Um, and they're praying that that will not happen this time. But I know, uh, even though she has a great attitude, she's she's thinking in the back of her head, is this baby ever going to come? Yikes. So we continue to pray for them. I appreciate that. So uh, Sam and McKenna and Kat and Josh. Um, but we're all kind of waiting, knowing it could start any day now. Uh, like a woman in travail, the Bible says. Um, so, hey, Scott, we've got a special guest today. And uh, before I really give you the reason we're interviewing, I just want to welcome Mycin Mosman, uh, which has a nice ring to it. Uh, Mycin, welcome to the Family Man Show. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Why don't you give us just a little bit, like, tell us about yourself, you know, your family, and we'll start there. Okay, sure thing. It's it's funny you said it has a good ring to it. My wife's name is actually Megan, so we've got a lot of M's. <laughs> so are your um, kids M's too? No, so we didn't do that to them. <laughs> um, we do have one M. We have seven kids, and we do have a Malachi. So that's oh, that's man. the only one that starts with an M. <laughs> so Mycin but, uh, and Megan Moseman that has a yes. great ring to it. <laughs> yeah, we thought about. I mean, I always wanted, and we're going to talk a little bit about my name wanted to have one of my kids named Mycin as well, but my wife was just like, that's going to be too confusing. <laughs> um, but uh, we have, I know two other people that use the name. So uh, pretty cool. Wow. That's amazing. So where, where do you live? Like what part of the country? So I'm in central Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, hometown is, uh, I grew up in Carlisle and I currently live in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, which is... Okay. Uh, Yep. I know where nice both those places time. are. Well, you know, okay. I I often, since when we have a dad on the show, I'd like to ask him, you know, what's the best part of being a dad to you? And what's the hardest part of being a dad to you? It's a loaded, loaded question. Um, I would say, first off, you know, as a young man, it, it was always just the dream of my life is to get married and be a dad. You know, mm. I grew up in a big family. So I'm one of 10 children. Mm -hmm. um, my mom had uh, five boys first and then four girls and then a boy. I was the tomato in the sandwich, number five. Uh. And uh, But just growing up in a big family, um, I just remember when my older brothers were getting married off and I was like, you know, I, I'd look forward to getting married, being a dad someday. And uh, I, I have to say, I, I am living the dream. Um, we, like I said, we have seven kids and Every one of them is a blessing. I just, I love every stage of the journey. And, you know, when you're a parent, you get to see 
everything for the first time through that child's eyes. And, you know, in every stage, and I'm not a grandparent yet, our, our oldest is 19, mm. but there's just something rejuvenating about life when, when you're a dad, you know, and, and, you know, when that just continues on in the, uh, the future as a grandparent, you know, I just, I feel bad for, for people that can't have kids or don't have kids, um, because they really mess out on that. So it, it is my, my greatest joy mm. is being a dad. That's awesome. What what what's the hard what's the hardest part for you? You know, now we're this is the therapy part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the hardest part, the easy part is, you know, when they're small, I I have, you know, like a playful spirit. I've always like played with my kids. Uh-huh. You know, I ride bikes with them. I have a seat in the back of my bike, I always take them for bike rides and and just have a blast together. But the hardest part is having teenagers, I think. You know, mm. because as they come into their own person and start to, you know, detach from the umbilical cord and become their own person, um, our oldest is 19. So we we've, I would say, gone through the ringer with uh, our oldest. And there's something about a firstborn son, too, as a dad. Right. And the hardest part for me was um, just going through a real difficult challenge in his development you know i'd say he had what's what i call a uh, sheltered kid complex mm-hmm. you know we're a strong christian family and community but uh once he kind of got launched into the world and had a job and and he uh you know um just began to wonder if if the the life that he was living in our family was what uh um what he wanted and so we ran up against a, a lot of friction and uh um and so just getting through that i mean that changed everything in the home dynamic that the angst and the uh um just really the resistance that we got um but we had to make some hard choices and um and we had a breakthrough so i i just attribute it to the grace of god and there's, you know, a lot we could go deeper there, but I just attribute to the grace of God that um, he's in a really good place now. And I'm glad we made it over that speed bump, that really difficult, challenging season. Um, but I would definitely say raising teenagers is uh, the hardest thing. I know that you hit a nerve with everybody because I, I can remember, you know, thinking really I had it all under control. When they were little, I'm like, this is really not that hard. If you just do it God's way, you won't have any problems. And then, you know, and the the really cool thing is when you have a lot of children, you get to you get to go through that like seven times or eight times differently with each. But they do come to, to a point not where they question things, but they question you, you know, where they're just becoming adults. And they don't think like you and everything, you know, they're like, well, why do I have to have my hair like you want it to be? And I'm like, oh, because you do. Well, why? And I'm like, OK, you don't, you know, and it just like, are we good now? Is that the only thing you have? To... No, I want to question everything. So uh, so we get it. We get it. You have a bunch of sympathetic listeners with you right now. Well, Myson, you know, I was thinking about like as uh, we were getting ready for the show, you know, we have interviewed a lot of different people. Uh, I don't know. We've been doing this. How long have we been doing this, Scott? 11 years now. Holy moly. 11 years. And I did it like a wow. year or two without Scott. Uh, those were the good years. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, and uh, uh, we have interviewed lots of different people. We we interviewed a guy who was in the uh, uh, the plane that went down in the Potom- Potomac. We've interviewed a professional balancer, a professional comedian. We had Gary Chapman on our show. We had Russ Lee from New Song. We just had the producer of Mayberry Man, the movie. But we have never interviewed a guy just because of his name. And so this is a first for us. And I'll have to. Uh, it's a big honor. <laughs> this is a big honor. Oh, yeah. We don't just let anybody on this show unless they want to be on the show. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, when we first talked through email, you had said something about your name. And I had already been using your name back and forth through the email. And I never, it never, Mycin was how I read it, you know, but it is spelled M-Y-S-O-N. And as I, as you kind of mentioned it, I thought, wow, that's a powerful name. And so Mycin, Moseman, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got that name? Sure. So basically, it, it would help to give a little context to my family background. Both mm-hmm. my parents uh, grew up in central Pennsylvania here in Mennonite homes. And so, you know, there's a lot of deep history there with Anabaptist history, and I love church history. You know, and that's oftentimes coming from a big family, people ask you, are you Catholic? Are you Mormon or Mennonite or Amish? Mm-hmm. You know, and having the Mennonite background is it's a blessing, you know. Now, can I interrupt you first? Because mm-hmm. um, I know we are surrounded by a huge Mennonite community, um, but some people might not really know what that. Uh, uh, how were you sure. a conservative Mennonite that looked uh, different? I mean, w- w- did your mom wear head coverings and homemade clothes? I mean, did it look like I would think of uh, Amish looking? They were pretty conservative. My actually, my grandfather was a pastor in the Lancaster Conference. So there's different conferences, mm-hmm. and just like any church, whether you go to a Baptist church or evangelical church, Pentecostal church, every church has its own personality, um, its core convictions, core values, and expression. And the Mennonite kind of branch that that my parents grew up, we're, we're pretty conservative. Lancaster Conference is is pretty conservative. I think, yeah, when my mom would have gotten married, she would have worn a head covering. But it, it does tie in with the story because mm-hmm. my dad actually got excommunicated from the Mennonite church. Mm-hmm. And it was around the time that I was born. So he was going through this internal struggle with his identity and his relationship to the church, his relationship with God. And he was excommunicated for different reasons, nothing, you know, sinful, or it was more because he was a boat rocker, you know, he's a mm-hmm. bit of a, uh, a renegade and asked some questions that they, I think they had trouble answering. And uh, he saw Christianity as more than just Mennonitism. And so that was kind of part of the story because of the time in my dad's life. But yeah, Mennonite in general, they really live a simple, have a simple uh, view. They're called plain people as well. But it goes back to the Reformation with Anabaptist history. And that term means that they were they were baptized again. They didn't believe in infant baptism. They believed in believer's baptism. They believed in an ethic of love. Um, so they, they have what's called doctrine of non-resistance, you know, turning the other cheek. So they won't fight in, in uh, war. And they also believed in a, a strong separation of church and state. 
Um, and you can see that fleshed out today in Amish and Mennonite communities. So just a little bit of tidbit there. Well, that's good. That gives everybody a okay, Now we're on the same page. We know what your family was like. <laughs> so basically, the time that I was born, so I was the fifth, and my dad had four boys before. So you can imagine a home um, of, you know, four boys and another boy is born. And actually, when I was first born, I wasn't even given a name. I think they waited a month or more till I even got the name. So this was kind of I don't even know how that works. What do you go? Um, the kid is crying you know, or okay. someone go get your brother. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so basically the story is that it was a significant time in my dad's fatherhood. And I liken the story to like the Apostle Paul in the sense that when he was persecuting Christians, he thought he was doing God a favor. You know, he, he literally it was serving God in his heart's intent, um, even though he was killing Christians. And my dad was, you know, a disciplinarian. And what it came down to is he had crossed the line and didn't realize it in, in the sense that thinking he's doing the right thing and mm -hmm. disciplining his sons. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I tell people I, I have a different dad than my older brothers um, because of that. And so it's not something that my dad is proud of. Um, but the beauty of the redemptive story is that um, that he changed, and it's almost like God took the veils off of took the veil off of his eyes, and said, "You're not helping; you're hurting your son," and it broke him, it, and it and mm. it just the uh, blinders came off of his eyes, and it broke him, and um, he became a, a different father through through that. So uh, that's really the kind of the transformative point in his life that brought about the name my son. So I think he wanted to be a different dad than he was to my older brothers. And even some of my older brothers kind of carried the scars of that. And I really see it as, you know, God's hand of blessing and favor and mercy on my life. Um, even having that name, I, you know, since I became a Christian and, and God got a hold of my heart, I really, you know, I wrote in my Bible that this name is more than what even my father intended, because I think the struggle of every man is inner identity in that realm of sonship, you know? And uh, I wrote in my Bible that I know who I am and I know who I belong to. I am my father's son. And wow. if you look at the, uh, the life of Christ, that his life was so different because of how he related to God and he called him father. And that was something completely revolutionary and new and, and it offended the Jews because they they looked at God as a, a name that you couldn't even speak or or write down because it was so sacred and here Jesus was calling God Father and so it's even more significant to me because of my relationship with my Heavenly Father and and now I can carry that down to my own children and be the kind of dad that that uh, you know he's called me to be so that's a powerful, powerful story. I mean, kind of makes Todd and Scott look like terrible names. Uh, you know, I mean, just like, I mean, that just is so full of meaning and power. And I think you should name another child. If you have another child, you should name him Ison, uh, because that would be really cool. Just let your wife know my vote is thumbs up. Uh, not that she'll care. 
Um, <laughs> well, Myson, I mean, what a great story. I'm glad you told it to me. Uh, and I hope, you know, maybe a dad listening will think, wow, names are names are powerful things. Um, and I know mm-hmm. I, I even think about it, you know, because the Bible says that when we get to heaven, we'll be given an, a name that only we know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a name that we don't share only that the father knows. And that's a powerful relationship thing too. Um, and I know I come across other great names every once in a while, you know, when, uh, someone will name their daughter precious or princess. It always feels, or honey. Uh, it always feels weird when I call them that though. Like I precious. <laughs> um, but, uh, when I think of a father calling his daughter that I think that's pretty cool. So, uh, Myson, thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, keep, keep, uh, stay in the game during those, uh, oncoming teenage years, uh, for other children. And, uh, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share. It's been a joy. Um, well, Scott, uh, like you said, you know, you want to go out and hug your son now. Um, and, Maybe that's maybe that's what the interview is for, just to remind us again of that power, powerful relationship that we have with our sons and with our daughters. Um, and really, it's all about being a dad. And dad, and I know it's hard. I w- I, I was struck. Um, I was at a lake this past weekend, and there was an older dad. Um, he was probably seventy five. And he was holding these two big ga- cans of gas as he was walking out the pier to his boat. And his older sons, who were probably about 40, 45, were sitting in the boat and neither one of them moved, you know. And the dad went to the boat and he, you know, pours the gas in. And then he's taking these two cans of gas and he picks up something else big from the boat and he's carrying it out, you know. And the sons are still just doing their own thing. And I, I don't know what the sons were thinking or the dad always like, but I thought, you know, that's what dads do. Um, we drive our kids to basketball practice two or three times a week. You know, we carry gas cans. We're like the little red hen, you know, well, who will help me weed the garden? Not me. Who will help me bake the bread? Not me, you know, and she gets to the end and she like eats it herself or whatever. She doesn't share it with anybody, but really, a dad does all does all those things and then he goes okay let's eat and they get to enjoy it as well um so dad i hope you embrace your dadness you know because you're in it with all of us together and with myson's dad and with myson and scott and i and that just brings me a lot of comfort Um, So whether you're battling a teenager or battling a toddler or still have a baby, you have a name. Don't give up. And not only don't give up, embrace it and enjoy it and smile and thank God for it, for being a dad. All because you did dad. And that's our show for this week, Dad. Thanks for joining us for the Family Man Show with Todd Wilson. If you have a question for the show, email Todd at familyman at familymanweb.com. If you have a question for me, you can reach me at scott at unsocializedmedia.com. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.
All right, I'm a okay. mess here, man. Mason, that was huh? I'm a mess here, man. That was powerful. What an awesome <laughs> legacy, dude. Very cool. What's cool too, just real quick, is is so my dad, you know, we have a big family, um, and there's literally almost seventy grandchildren. So he had oh, ten wow. children. Um so I just think back, you know, when he was married, you know, standing at the now. altar, having no idea that yeah. one day, you know, have a lot of kids and yeah, you know, that's amazing. That's, that's pretty amazing, amazing for sure. Be part of that. Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. I feel like we need to do like a whole series of interviews with mice in here. <laughs> <laughs> we could Let me with me like mice and Mosin. Mosman. <laughs> It's a big well, hey, thanks for joining us, Myson. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Have a great, have a great day. Thanks for being on the team. You too. All right. All right. Bye. All righty. Okay. Go hug my son. Huh? I'm gonna go hug my son. <laughs>